Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. We, we have a number of questions today. Uh, the questions really center around who's standing up, who's speaking out, is anyone actually listening? And of those who are standing up and speaking out, do any of them really feel like they're heard or understood? Helping us break that down is uh, the ultimate inside source when it comes to the tone of the of the country, the inside in terms of what people are actually feeling. Uh, very pleased to have joining us on the show today, Kristen Soltis Anderson, uh, who's a pollster, a speaker, commentator. Uh, you may recognize her as the author of The Selfie Vote, Where Millennials Are Leading America. She is also the founder of Echelon Insights, has a great piece in the uh, Washington Examiner this week. And uh, the one thing I will tell you as we begin this, uh, Kristen is not only wicked smart when it comes to the numbers and the data, uh, but she understands that influence requires listening to nuance, and especially the nuance found in the heart and soul of real Americans. Uh, Kristen, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So in your piece in the in the Washington Examiner, uh, you, you you started by saying it, it is actually easier to stand up and speak out than ever before, but where, where's that really leading us? Yeah, I mean, nowadays, think about the number of ways you can offer feedback about everything in the world around you. This isn't just about politics. It's about every time you order a product online, when it shows up at your house, you can go give it a review. You go to a restaurant, you can walk out that door, and as soon as you paid that check, you can say if you had a good experience or not. In addition to the fact that if you have a flight that's delayed, you can let United or Delta or whatever that airline is know directly via social media how frustrated you are. And this translates as well to political issues. It means people are more able to speak their mind directly to public officials. Gone are the days where you have to wait and hope the local paper will run your letter to the editor. (laughs) Or you hope someone in your congressman's office reads the letter. You can really voice yourself publicly what you think. Now, the challenge is that it's younger and more progressive Americans who are more likely to be availing themselves of this, and not just in politics, but in terms of speaking out about brands, et cetera. Yeah. And so the good news is more people are speaking. The bad news is they're not necessarily representative of all Americans. And so brands, corporations, and politicians might be getting a false sense of where people actually stand. Oh, and I think that that's so important. Uh, that the loudest voices uh, aren't always the most representative. Uh, and we end up with a lot of people who, who do feel like they're not heard or they're not being paid attention to. And it, one of the things I love about your work, Kristen, is that you're not just doing the political polling. You're, you're doing brand and corporations and nonprofits. Uh, so you're really getting that broader spectrum in, in terms of it. Uh, so how are the average people as they try to raise voice, as they try to engage, whether that's politically or with uh, organizations and brands, uh, how are they feeling about it? What, what is, is anyone listening and are they feeling heard? Well, we're finding that it is Democrats are more likely than Republicans to say they've spoken out publicly, but they're also more likely to say they feel like people like them are being heard. I mean, we found in our research that nearly half of Republicans say they never speak publicly 
not just mm. about politics, but about things like brands, entertainment. This is particularly acute for Republican women. They just don't feel like they want to talk about a lot of this stuff publicly. And some of this is comfort with technology. You have young people, particularly Gen Z, they're much more likely to be using something like Twitter to speak their mind. And studies that have been done show that 80% of all tweets come from the most active 10% of users. They're likely to be young. They're likely to be Democratic. But this means that you wind up with, say, 75% of Republicans who say they don't think political leaders in Washington are listening to people like them. And for political independence, it's even higher at 81%. So a lot of folks feel like D.C. is just not listening to people like them. Yeah, and I think that's such a, a fascinating thing to look at, especially the independents, uh, 81% uh, that are feeling so disconnected or that they're just simply not being heard uh, in any way, shape, or form. What else did you see as you kind of dug into the numbers there and some of the nuance? So some of the other things that we looked at was, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to find Republicans may feel Washington doesn't represent them well, because frankly, Washington is controlled by Democrats these days, both <laughs> right. branches of the, you know, the House and the Senate. You've got the White House um, with Joe Biden as president. So that might make more sense. But this even trickles down to the local level, where you find about half of Democrats say they don't feel that local leaders in their community are listening to people like them. But for Republicans, that goes up to two thirds. Now, it won't surprise you to hear that Republicans are also pretty unlikely to think that national news media organizations are listening to the opinions of people like them. But you've got large brands and corporations, too, where only 21 percent of Republicans think that kind of big business listens to people like them. And and 31 percent of Democrats feel the same. So there's a big disconnect between your sort of average person across the political spectrum and a lot of big institutions. Now, for young people, where some of this is a little different is, for instance, they as employees, you know, one of the questions we asked is, do you think your employer is listening to, to you personally and your concerns? It's actually younger workers who are more likely to say they're speaking up and feeling heard by their employers. But that's catching a lot of these corporations in a really tough bind. You know, I mentioned in my piece that you've got, say, that voting rights bill in Georgia um, that caught a lot of controversy about whether was it expanding or hurting voting rights. And you had a company like Delta that had put out a statement first in support of the bill, but then facing a lot of backlash, particularly backlash from their younger, more progressive employee base. They had to change their position publicly. If you have many companies that would very much like to stay out of politics, they don't want to be caught in the political crosshairs, but their increasingly progressive young employee base is demanding that they sort of use their corporate voice to speak out on political issues. You know, kind of gone are the days where people say, I just want to go to the grocery store and buy, you know, the potato chips and the, the you know, food that I think tastes good. I don't need them to have a political position. Younger consumers and younger employees have just different expectations of what big brands will do. And it's catching some of these companies in a really tough bind. Yeah, so fascinating. I want to dive into a couple things real quick as we uh, come down the home stretch here. Uh, the numbers that really jumped out at me from your piece in the Washington Examiner uh, was that, uh, again, this Republican women say that they never speak publicly about politics or a lot of other things. And and we know both from a standpoint of women at the table, not just to talk about women's issues, but to talk about all issues, that we need minorities at the table, not just to talk about minority issues, but to talk about all issues. Uh, what else are you seeing in the nuance of those numbers uh, that have anything that might change that uh, trajectory in terms of uh, feeling like they have a voice and that that voice is being heard? 
Well, I think one reason why you see Republican women both reluctant to speak up about their own political views, as well as feeling not particularly heard, is I think because of the stereotype and the assumption by some Democrats that women, all, all women should be progressive. Women should be Democrats. Why, you know, isn't, aren't the GOP, isn't that just the party of old white guys, that if you are a Republican woman, there's this fear that if you speak out, you're going to get told that you are you're not doing the right thing. How could that possibly be the case? I mean, I even find among my own friends who they, they, they're very nice, they're respectful, but they do find it curious. How could you be a Republican and be right of center and be a woman? Um, and so I think when you are somebody who kind of bucks a trend or defies a stereotype, it can be even harder and more uncomfortable for you to, to speak out about your own views because you know you're going to face that pushback. And for a lot of people, look, there are so many women who, you know, they stood up bravely in this last election. They said they were going to run for office. You saw historic numbers of Republican women entering the House of Representatives versus where things were two years ago. But not all women feel that comfortable being out there, putting themselves forward. And I think it's especially acute among those who are kind of defying stereotypes, not necessarily feeling comfortable speaking out about where they stand. Yeah. And then finally, Christian, before we let you go, uh, you do a lot of consulting for politicians, political parties, uh, nonprofit organizations, businesses. What are you telling these organizations in terms of how do you create that environment uh, where their customers, where their employees both feel comfortable raising voices. Uh, but more importantly, uh, we know if you're going to attract people to a, a cause or a movement, people have to feel like they are connected to it. They have to feel heard and part of it. Absolutely. I think listening and listening well is the most important thing many organizations can do. And, and very few are actually equipped to do it very effectively. Most clients I work with They come to me and they have talking points, they have messaging, they're ready to roll, and they just want to make sure it's okay. And they haven't necessarily done the hard work yet of listening. What do your customers actually want? Do they want you to roll out with this big political statement or this big new product? Have you done the hard work on the front end of listening to them? Even if somebody still disagrees with you, if they feel like you've heard them, if they feel like you've genuinely done the work to listen to them, they're much more likely to be open-minded to what you have to say. It's a huge lesson for politicians and brands to always remember, you have to put listening first. That listening first uh, and that listening happens in the, the hard work and heavy lifting of listening that doesn't happen in front of a bank of television cameras, doesn't happen in front of a big press conference or when you're screaming at your enemies. Uh, It's having conversations that really matter and listening better uh, that is really the key. Uh, Great uh, interview, great perspective from uh, Kristen Soltis Anderson, and we'll have her back on. uh, Hopefully next week she's got some new data coming out that I think will be equally fascinating. So watch for us uh, next week uh, talking to Kristen again about some national polling and the nuance of helping people here feel heard, understood, and empowered. Because uh, whether it's politics or whether it's a business or an organization or a community, you have to have that kind of ke- connection if you're going to actually get anything done. All right, we will step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, is going to be in Utah tomorrow to break it down and give us a look ahead. Well, we'll be joined by Jeff Merchant from the Democratic Party of the State of Utah. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.